Hey, thank you to Helix for sponsoring this podcast. Adam has had his Helix mattress for almost a year now, and he's loving it. It's it's actually hard to get him up. In fact, he won't stop talking about it. You'll understand what we mean when he goes into detail. Thank you for the detail, Adam, later on the episode. But for now, we want to tell our listeners about a special deal going on. Our Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and... As if that's not enough, two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet, and I'll bet it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Coming to you live from our houses in Los Angeles, California, it's Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, your comedy field guide to life. Tonight, the United States Constitution. We the people, in order to form a more perfect podcast, have invited author Ben Sheehan to explain how our democracy is supposed to work. Mr. President, are you listening? This one's for you. Plus, if Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone had offspring podcasts, spinoffs if you will, what would a Bonnie Burns spinoff show be titled? Nobody's have offered their ideas. See if you can hear them over the remarkably resilient crinkle of a potato chip bag. I'm Adam Felber, the man who tries every week to ensure domestic tranquility through the articles and amendments of conversational order. And now, please welcome the woman who is constitutionally incapable of staying on topic, Paula Poundstone. Yay! Wow. How, how are you guys? Oh, we're good. We're good. Yeah. Paula, Boy. welcome. And a big thanks right up top to tonight's house band, nobody Raymond Horton from Floyd's Knobs, Indiana, on the bass trombone. Wow. Thank you, Raymond. Man, I cannot even imagine growing up in Floyd's Knobs, Indiana. I mean, just the, yeah. what was their high school cheer? <laughs> Let's go, Knobs. <laughs> Who is I really Knobs? do Floyd's hope that Knobs. their mascot is some. <laughs> I hope their mascot is some dude in a big doorknob costume. Because the alternatives, Floyd's knobs. <laughs> yeah, it sounds more like what you would taunt another, like a name that you would make up, you know, to 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 make fun of the town with. Yeah, as though the guy who founded the town, Floyd, maybe was uh, a bit on the portly side and had some man boobs. Yeah. 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 It's like if you grew up in Jane's Hooters. <laughs> oh, a lot of us did, Paula. All right. Jane's, now, um, Paula, Jane's Hooters, Kentucky. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's a small town, you know. Um, uh, so, you know what, Adam? I told you a few weeks ago, right, that I applied for work at Trader Joe's. Yes. And I was rejected, like, with a, um, a form letter rejection. And then I, I also applied at the same time for work at Vaughn's, which is the grocery store that I go to. And, you know, it's not too far away and, and uh, whatever. So sure. I apply and I've been going there for years. So I even said to one of the clerks, hey, would you put in a word for me? And so then I call and the person who does the hiring says, oh, you know what? Just before you came in, we hired like a dozen people. Um, and I said, so, you know, should I call back? Or he said, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll keep, you know, right. So, you know, don't give up. Right. So. Yeah, uh, no, no. But, that sounds very so, encouraging. Uh, so just 
like a couple days ago, I was shopping at the Vons, and while I'm, you know, pushing my cart down the aisles, trying to understand the markings on the floor for which direction to go, um, th this advertisement comes on over the PA, um, you know, start your career at Vons, uh, you know, do, uh, flexible hours. <laughs> Okay, do you mean, I, I, I didn't listen to the whole thing. Maybe at the end it said, except you, Paula. Uh, but, or, it uh, said, or it said, go to other Vons and apply because we're full up, just like we told Poundstone. No, I, it seemed to be that they were talking about this Vons, but everyone but that woman walking the wrong way down aisle three. Yes, you, with the hat. Yes, you. <laughs> well, I'm, I, I'm sorry to hear that, Paula. I, I, I mean, I think you could probably could have. It might be a good job for you. Um, I think I'd be fantastic at the phones. You do? Yeah. Well, I have OCD, so I'm good at making all the labels go the same direction. Um, I right. love people, and I like to help, and I'm very strong, and I like to work hard. That right there, it is. There it is. There's my uh, was, there's my letter. Were any that, of those um, were any of those facts on your application? No, there wasn't really room for stuff like that. You well, know, that's, that's the why thing. the go Paula Poundstone, the go getters, staple a letter that has those that lists those things to the application. No, you can't. No, it, everything, Adam. I don't know the last time you applied for a job. It's it's all it's horrible now. It's all done online, and in fact, uh -huh. there's very little sort of human element to uh there might be a section where you could put something like a few words and then they're like that's too many words and uh so it's very limiting i can't imagine what criteria you know i don't know what would have made someone hired or what would make someone rejected based on what they i will say i maybe screwed myself up because under hobbies I wrote disorient yeah. the elderly, but I was kidding. <laughs> wow, you see? Now it's 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 jokes like that that can really cost you on an application. Yeah, you don't think that was a good you, you don't think I that think was, that was a good a, idea. I think it's a bad choice. I think it's a There's bad choice. There's got to be. Now, you um, know, yeah. Yeah. You know no, what? Go ahead. You can you're probably about to hear a crinkly noise right now because I was going to take out of my pocket a um a roll of dog waste bags not used. Okay. Um, okay. So I have these dog waste bags in my pocket right now. And on, on, right. the, on you know, it comes in a roll, right? And there's silhouettes of, like, what looks to be a Labrador on this. Like, they're sure. decorated. You know, if there's one right. thing that doesn't need to be decorated, it's probably this. Not only are they decorated, but they also have these words. A pile. Pick it up. All the day. Have good luck. <laughs> but that doesn't even rhyme. It it doesn't rhyme, and it's not true. Okay, now Paula, do you remember about three minutes ago when I said I want to? I started to move things along, and you started talking, and I said, "I'm sorry, go ahead." Okay, but wait. I now I now kind of regret about saying that. My employment, and my point <laughs> to you is, okay, someone who wrote this on a bag got hired. Do you see what I'm right. saying? There's somebody over in bag design. They probably got right. a raise for this. A pile. Okay. Pick it up. Oh, all the I day. see. Have good luck. Do you see what I'm saying? Why isn't there a yeah. job for me? Uh, because I don't think any doggy waste bag manufacturer has a budget to hire a writer. 
No, they did. I would, a pile. I would be willing Pick to. It up. I would be willing to. <laughs> All the day. Have good luck. Yeah, that was probably just uh, something that was thought up by somebody who was uh, had a much larger job than just writing doggy bag slogans. No, this is Walt Whitman. This is. It uh, did sound like it did sound like poetry at the beginning. Yeah, this is excerpts from uh, Leaves of Grass. A pile. Yeah. Pick it up. All the day. Have good luck. It's beautiful. Did, did were you going to check in with Tony and Bonnie? Yeah, I was. <laughs> now I'm not sure we have time. That's all we listen. Paul, nobody listens to Paul Poundstone. It's produced by Ed. <laughs> um, no, right. no, we so, have time. Yes. You know why we have time? Because I have good luck today. Do you know why I have good luck? Because you picked up a pile of poop? Several. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Let's go around the horn and find out what's new with people. Um, let's start with um, Captain Crinkle, Bonnie Burns, um, your manager, Paula, our producer. Step up to the mic and tell us what's new. I hate it when you start with me. All right. Tony Anita Hall, producer <laughs> in Sherman Oaks. What are you? Well, no, Bonnie, shut up, Bonnie. Come on, let Tony go. Tony, what? No, this is the stop talking time. Then, Tony, what's new? Wait! (laughs) Oh my God, Trump! You start with me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm ready. You can do me. All right, Bonnie Burns, our producer, Paula's manager. (laughs) What's new? Well, first, you know, usually I have these TV shows that are distractions, so I watch them to make me feel better, like the old shows that I used to watch with my dad, who's now deceased, and so they're kind of comforting. But I couldn't even watch those this week to make me feel better because I was glued to the television with all this horrible stuff that was going on. So I don't really feel like saying what my week was because, you know, it's so depressing. I thought what I might be able to do in the theme of that our show has a learning basis is I could tell you a phrase we used in production when everything's going wrong. Or at one time, I used to work with stuntmen, and they had a couple of phrases for when everything's going wrong. All right, I'll allow it. What's up? (laughs) Which one do you want? Oh, give us both of them. Okay. So in production, when everything was going wrong, we'd say, face up in a bathtub with a razor blade. Okay. And uh, do you know why? Well, face up in a bathtub with a razor blade. Well, yeah. Like you were going to kill yourself. And was that helpful? No, but that's how you would comment. You go, well, oh. Well, you know, Bonnie, that, that, that's a, a play on the, uh, a razor blade. that's on a, 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 a famous, uh, a, that's a play on the famous military acronym from when things are messed up. Which is what? FUBAR. Why? What's the military acronym? FUBAR, fucked up beyond all reason. I don't think that's the the same at all. That's not the same. No, I'm saying it's the same acronym. That's why. It's a play on that. Oh, face up in a bathtub. A razor blade, yeah. The W is a little bit of a red herring, but I'm pretty sure that's what's going on there. I think that's just a coincidence. What? (laughs) It's not a coincidence. Well, because it's face up in a bathtub. It's too many letters. Yeah. Uh, Bonnie, what was the other one? Okay. So with Stuntman, when something went wrong, they'd say, oh, that's the brick in the back of the head, which means like when they forgot something and it caused things to go wrong. What kind of stuff would a Stuntman forget? A brick over his head? No, 
<laughs> he'd brick in the he'd, back of the head. He'd forget the, the thing f- they hadn't thought of. The brick in the back of the head. Oh. Okay. It's not the same. I think you guys aren't visualizing this correctly. No, I get I, the br- I get the brick in the back of the head because they forgot something, but that's not the same as everything has gone horribly. No, it would be like a big thing. Like say, say you're going to jump off, set yourself on fire, and jump off a 16-story building. Say I was, right. and then the and then the fire department came out and said, "No, we're not going to let you do that." That would be the brick in the back of the head that nobody got a permit first. Okay, but in the case of okay. what's going on in our world right now, it's not because anybody forgot anything other than that we all should have equal rights. That's the only thing we forgot. Other than that, it's not because somebody forgot something. It's because all hell is broken loose. Okay, well, forgot might not be the right word, but brick in the back of the head is, well... I think the brick in the back of the head is Donald Trump. Because we forgot okay. something? Because the thing that went that that wasn't in the plan. Okay. You know what wasn't okay. in the plan? This. No, wait, you <laughs> I gotta do the last one. The last one is the best one. Okay. okay. So you're a stuntman and say you go in and you say, I can drive a car off the rim of the Grand Canyon, no problem. That this phrase would apply to something like that, which is never write checks with your mouth that your ass can't carry. Yeah. Yeah, that's Here's not even what a stunt I'm noticing thing. That's just about, an expre- your, about your phrases. I, I gather that they're all expressions used by a particular working group. I get that. But what I guess the thing that's weird is that <laughs> none of them apply to what we're talking about. That, that is something I'm noticing. Like, you know, remember on Sesame Street when they go, one of these things is not like the other, right? Yeah. One of these things does not belong. All three of your things don't belong. Absolutely. I, have I didn't to say. know it was supposed to apply. What? Well, then what are you doing? <laughs> no, I thought I was What are just you doing, buddy? The question was, was what's... a learning element. The question was, what's new? Okay. I didn't have a good new thing to talk about. Oh, so you're sharing a learning element oh. when things go wrong. Okay. okay. All right. You know what? Thank, thank you for your contribution, Bonnie Burns. Um, right. I'm going to so just So you just started saying away. expressions? Is that what happened? So if you're out walking with a friend in a better time and the friend steps off the curb and gets hit by a car, you would say, Penny... <laughs> I'd go, that's what we call a brick in the back. No, you would, you would just say an expression. You would just say a penny. The thing you hadn't counted on. No, you would just say a penny saved is a penny earned. Just any expression. <laughs> Stitch in time saves nine. Oh, my heavens. Yeah. Oh, my guys, God, Bonnie. Well, yeah. thank you very much for, for offering welcome, us Adam. that yeah. wisdom. Ooh, boy, um, that was... The, it's really very of the moment. <laughs> Tony, you made a mistake not going first. Yeah. I know I did. I, don't know how you, I, did. I just, be, Tony, before we let you go, I just want to say later in the show, we're going to be um, talking about what our listeners are suggesting for this spinoff podcast from Bonnie Burns, which a lot of them think is a great idea. For those of you who think it's a great idea, I want you to picture an hour of that. That just happened. <laughs> this may not be the day to be trying that. <laughs> All right, Tony and Anita Hall. I love an hour of it. 
Tony need a help. What's new? It's, it's funny. After Bonnie goes, I'm always confused as to what I'm supposed to say now. Um, what's new? Uh, so pre what Bonnie shared with every, you know, me just being yeah. glued to news all the time. Um, I actually, do you know that Los Angeles has a bunch of secret staircases and I've been climbing them? No. Really? Yeah. That's great. It's awesome. Yeah. Los Angeles has a bunch of secret staircases and um, someone has taken the time to plot out hiking routes um, with these staircases. Shit. Is one of them in my house? Tony, is one of them in my house? Because I heard a noise last night. Was that you on the secret staircase? There are, there, there are several in Santa Monica. So. Tony, by its very nature, it, it, well, it's just if something was secret, can you see that you wouldn't know about it? Hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I have a very good friend who Paula knows, who's an aficionado of, of, of really old movies. And um, he recently visited one of those secret staircases because it's the one from a, a, a film in which Laurel and Hardy move a piano up an outdoor staircase. The music box stairs. Yes, and it still yep. looks exactly like it did in that film from like 80 years ago. Well, where is it? Um, Can't I tell. Say, it's like, a secret. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to say like near like east side, like Silver Lake-ish area. I think that's right. Those guys were shit movers. Weren't they taking ice up there as well and they slipped on the ice? It was, it's been a while since I've seen it. No, that it. was the Stooges. Okay. The Stooges took the ice up. With the tongs. Maybe it was the same stair. Yeah, with the tongs. That's right. Yeah. Love that. All right. Well, Tony Anita Hall, I want to point out that what you did was exactly what we asked. (laughs) No, you should have started with her. Oh, you know what? Tony, what you just said reminds me of something, which is uh, 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 a woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle. (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. Um, all right, and here's what I've been doing for the last, uh, well, well, you know what, like Bonnie and Tony, I got completely distracted by, you know, keeping up with what's going on in the news and tweeting about it and get, and getting out there and trying to be helpful, but right before all this horror took place, I had started a new hobby. Which is? Thank you. And the new hobby is, um, I'm going to build a virtual pinball machine with my own two hands. Wow. Yeah, it turns out that there's all these hobbyists now in this country that are that now now that uh, you can make pinball table look good on a screen, they embed mm-hmm. these screens in pinball cabinets and build in um, forced feedback so it feels like a pinball machine and you feel it thrumming through your hands and I'm going to build a pinball machine. Wow, that's great. That's cool. Yeah. That's, you know, it's interesting that you mention that because I am going to my horse and I are going to jump yeah. from my roof <laughs> into, a, into a bucket of water below. Okay. Yeah. In fact, hold on I, right now. Uh, do you mind well, well, if I okay. just take a minute now to look easy, easy, hold on. Uh, okay. Uh, 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 sugar bits, sugar bits, hold on. Whoa, whoa, sugar whoa. bits? Whoa. Yeah, that's his name, sugar bits. Okay. Uh, okay. Here we are. I'm looking over. Looks good. One, two, three! Oh shit, I didn't put the water below! Oh, that's a brick in the back of the head! 
That is, that is, uh, you know what, Paul, if I can offer you some uh, Bonnie Burns-esque advice about, about what just happened to you, um, (laughs) neither a borrower nor a lender be. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Boy, you, you hit the nail on the head, Adam. Absolutely. (laughs) Thank you, Captain Pringle. You know, uh, (laughs) it's. It's just like I've always said, you know, April flowers bring May showers. No, it's the other way around. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All the, right. Um, the flowers just suck the rain out of the clouds. It's amazing. Um, oh, my gosh. This feels so productive to me in a, in, a, in a life that's come to feel not productive at all. This just, you know, organizing our thoughts together in this way. <laughs> Adam, I have a word. If there is Do one really? thing Thank certain God. in the world we live in, which is so filled with uncertainty, that's why, come hell or high water, I'm going to have a word every episode, just so that people can have that, you know, that thing to hold on to. This week's word, Adam, is incommodious. It's an adjective that means causing discomfort or inconvenience. Here, I'll use it in a sentence. The people protesting the stay-at-home order railed at the incommodious injustice of not having their hair cut professionally. Take solace in this uncertain world. Uh, Nobody's. Here is my customary, because I think this is so important that we have customary things right now. Here is my customary vocabulary song. Asterisk. Uh... This week's word is incommodious. It's an adjective that means causing discomfort or inconvenience, like when the meter maid doesn't show any lenience. Last week's word was (laughs) casuistry. Is that right? Yeah, casuistry. It's a noun that means the use of clever but false reasoning. It's not wrong to eat meat if you use seasoning. The week before that we had augury. It's a noun that means a sign of what will happen in the future. An omen. After the Seder, the kids are going to find the Afrikoman. Going back before that, we had cavil. It's a, verb that, it's a verb that means make trivial complaints or objections. I don't want a condom on my boyfriend's erections. And not long ago, we had a newer. It's a verb that means become used to something, especially something unpleasant, like not being in school to say present. Let's never forget Gallimaufry, which Gallimaufry, oh Gallimaufry, which I pronounced wrong until nobody, James Hyder, corrected me. Gallimaufry, Gallimaufry, that's how you say it. That's it. I'm onto it now. Gala. Gallimaufry. It's a noun that means confused jumbler medley of things. Hodgepodge. Who's Podge? Podge. Hodgepodge, who's Podge? Hodgepodge. Adam doesn't think my song is replicable, replicable, replicable. But I do, I do, I do, I do, I do, I do. Okay. I did more <laughs> ideas than usually this week. That was yeah. that was terrific. I, yeah. I I footnoted your song. You might have heard me say asterisk right before you started singing, and that's because. It's not the same every week. I think one of the beautiest things about your non-replicable vocabulary song is that it has never been the same twice. Mm. 
That's true. I, I add a word each week. And then I also drop a word from the song each week so that it doesn't, you know, because otherwise, and who would want this? The vocabulary song might become tedious. It True. might become It might become so long that it would, the show would just be nobody listens to Paula Poundstone's vocabulary song. And we don't want that. But it might also help people remember words. No, I think this does. Yeah, okay. this definitely right. uh, helps people remember words. <laughs> I'm sure it does. It does. In fact, um, Bonnie said something just a couple days ago that was uh, 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 ca- uh, casuistry. Uh, and. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah. What did she say? We were working on a project that required us to be in Zoom boxes. This isn't true. This is true. So we were working on a project no, it's not. that required us to be in Zoom boxes. But Bonnie's Zoom box was, she was not on the video for a few minutes. <laughs> It's she was okay. just. She, it is. She was just on the audio. All right. Okay. So she could see and hear what was happening, but we couldn't see Bonnie. So when we finished working on this project, and when we were stopping, now we were just going to talk about it, right? So Tony was right. in charge of the uh, technical stuff. So Tony brings Bonnie's box up on the screen, and meanwhile, we were on with with her her nephew and his wife. So I have validation on this. And she brings Bonnie's picture up on the screen and Bonnie's asleep. No, and she said was asleep. She was asleep. She was asleep. And so, no. first wow. of all, we all laughed ourselves silly. And then, and then Bonnie woke up like Grandfather Clock on Captain Kangaroo and said, what's everybody laughing at? And we had to kind of confess <laughs> that we were laughing at her. And then she oh, said, no, man. no. She said, no. no, 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 I was taking notes. And we said, no, you were asleep. And she said, no, no, I was taking notes. And here's what she said, though. She goes, I'll prove it. I'll show you my notes. Uh-huh. But see, that's casuistry. Because the, showing us notes wouldn't prove that she wasn't asleep. Well, if she had notes from the top, from things that you said while you assumed that she was sleeping, then yes, it would. See? That's Did how she? Smart. That was very smart, Adam. No, Thank no, you. that well, was... Bonnie- that- that was I have double a, one casuistry. of your favorite sayings that I think applies right here, and that's if, if a bullhog, if a bullfrog had wings, he wouldn't bump his ass on the ground. That, Adam, <laughs> boy, Adam is <laughs> Adam is absolutely right about that. <laughs> now, Paula, do you you have another mini podcast to tout, don't you? Or do you have a guest to introduce it? Uh, uh, Adam Felber, it is Ah French Trump. Uh, can oh, you hear me, Adam Felber? Can yeah. you hear me? Yes. I, I am pres- I, sometimes in this bunker, 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 bunker. It's hard to hear, 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 hear me. Um, uh, so I am uh, <laughs> uh, uh, at 5 o'clock Eastern Time, 2 o'clock Pacific Time. On Fridays, I have a... Podcast, a mini podcast, the French Trump presidential press conference, where uh, the, the press asks me questions and I set them straight. Straight, straight, straight. <laughs> I have enlightened uh, the public with my comments to the press uh, for a few months now, and it has been instructive. And look how well we are doing. We're winning, <laughs> winning, winning, winning. Yeah, that's I, I'm. I, you know what? Your prophecy was correct because I am really sick of winning. 
<laughs> I didn't say winning was going to be easy, Adam Felbert. All right, or who I will, would win? Uh, you will. You, you will. Uh, so please, I would say tune in, but you don't tune into a podcast. You just click it. You push the button. So push the button right, will- at five o'clock p.m. or any time after that on on Friday. <laughs> All right. Coming up, Benjamin Franklin said, our new constitution is now established and has an appearance that promises permanency. But in this world, nothing can be said to be certain except death and taxes. Well, Ben Sheehan is here to explain the United States Constitution, which has endured at least as of June 2020. That's coming up when we return on Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. Hey, Paula. You know, every once in a while we get a new advertiser that I get super excited about. And I have to say, just because of the circumstances of my life right now, I'm really excited about our new advertiser, Quince of Quince.com, the clothing provider. Not to be mistaken for Quince from Midsummer Night's Dream. And let me just say this, and maybe it's not important to an advertisement, but when I was in the fourth grade, our class put on a production of a midsummer night's dream okay and i played i played peter quince there there's the connection one of the mechanicals that's a great connection also yes has nothing to do with this which is that um quince is an online clothing store and as you know paula i've uh, i've lost a little weight lately oh right 75 pounds yeah so i literally have no clothes that are in my size until i just ordered some stuff at quince and i figured like here's a chance for me to create a new look for myself A whole new image. And how's it going? Not bad. I mean, the clothes are fantastic. I know that you ordered some too. What I got is I got the Comfort Stretch Traveler five pocket pants. And I got the, um, oh, it's so, and I got the 100% European linen shirt and it looks breezy and it fits beautifully. These are like premium pieces of clothing that are selling for like, you know, $30 a piece or starting at $30 at quince.com. It's awesome. I look good. I ordered the brushed lounge jogger and you know i put them on when i came back from new york i pulled them on and i i swear to you okay this is not scientific because i was tired already right but they were so soft (laughs) and and so comfortable that honestly like right as i got them up to my waist i i I think my eyes closed they're so it's a softness it's a kind of softness that I don't think I've ever experienced in a garment, honestly. You know, my uh, drawstring European linen trousers are a little bit like that, too. Like, so comfortable that I just want to hang out with myself. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And they're European. Keep that in mind. Uh, oh, European. they are so European. And you can get those kinds. Of, you can get washable silk tops. You can get uh, 14 karat gold jewelry and like all these accessories. Quince sells a lineup of timeless pieces that keep their customers looking effortlessly chic year after year. I'm not certain that I look chic, but certainly if I did, it's not going to take a lot of effort. I now look chic and I feel pretty great. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabric. It's all good as far as I can see. Is it my imagination or do they cut out the middleman? 
They cut out the middleman, Paula Poundstone. I love it when they cut out the middleman. That's the thing. They cut out the middleman. <laughs> That's fantastic. So be like me and Paula. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash nobody for free shipping on your order and a 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash nobody to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash nobody. Nobody. And honestly, I look fantastic. Paula, you won't be able to keep your hands off me. Oh, I can't wait. And don't <laughs> think that if you had to return something, don't think you're sending it to a middleman because they cut out the middleman. They man. cut out the middleman. That's quince.com slash nobody. And if you're going to do it anyway, use our code. <laughs> On this day in unremarkable history, Thomas Alva Edison said, could you just turn that lamp on for me on your way out? Thank you. Hey, thank you, thank me! Thank you, house band Raymond Horton. <laughs> We're back, Paula, now... I happen to know that you have carried a pocket-sized constitution in your jacket for years. I have. I have. I confess that every time I start to read it, I figure I'll read it on the airplane. Uh, right. Every time I start to read it, I fall asleep. I can't I can't get through it. I can't understand it. And I, I you know, I, I don't like to be like those people who say, oh, I'm not good at math, and they kind of brag about it. Like, Yeah, it drives me nuts. It's really not a prideful kind of thing. Uh, uh, but I, but I do want to lay my cards on the table and say that uh, you know I vote, I'm concerned, I'm interested, I watch the news, and I don't entirely understand the Constitution such that I ask people about it all the time. Do you take it out of your pocket and say, "Can you can you explain this to me"? <laughs> I go up to people like as if I had like a phrase book, you know, while I was in Spain, just sort of pointing. Um, or a map, you know, how do I get here? No, but you are, you are carrying it for yourself. It's not like, you know, our friend of the podcast, Penn Gillette has a uh, copy of the bill of rights that he keeps in his breast pocket at all times, but that's printed on a sheet of metal so that he can confront people at airport security. Yours is for you. Yeah, that's right. All right. I did have the great pleasure one time of saying at the TSA, um, they said, you know, what's in your pocket? And I did say the Constitution. What I didn't follow up with is that I can't understand. <laughs> great. Well, you know, Paula, fortunately, we have someone with us who can help explain our Constitution. Ben Sheehan is a former award-winning executive producer at Funny or Die. He founded OMG WTF to teach voters about state executive racers during the 2018 midterm elections. And his book, OMG WTF, Does the Constitution Actually Say, is a user-friendly annotation of the U.S. Constitution. Let's give a warm, nobody listens, welcome to Ben Sheehan. I am so honored to be your temporary pocket constitution stand-in for the next <laughs> several minutes. No, you're better than the pocket constitution. I just, you know, full disclosure, uh, I heard Ben speak on a on a Zoom presentation at one point. And by the way, I don't know about the rest of you, but I'm so sick of seeing people in little boxes. I don't know how the Brady Bunch stood it. Um <laughs> He was fabulous. And then um, I, I got a, uh, what do you call it, uh, audio version 
of the book so that I could listen while cleaning. And it was really, really helpful to me. Uh, Excellent. But before we plunge right into it, Ben, let's start with this. What led you to start OMG WTF? So I was very worried um, about uh, the 2018 election. I saw a lot of focus on the House and, and the Senate, but there were a lot of races that weren't in Congress that were happening in 2018, specifically the people who lead states, governor, secretary of state, and an attorney general. And so I thought if I could bring some attention to those races, then I could be additive. And so I was looking at a list of races, and I noticed that uh, a couple of very competitive states uh, jumped out and formed this acronym for Ohio, Michigan, Georgia, Wisconsin, Texas, and Florida. And I figured I would focus on the top uh, executive positions in, in the state, those those three, and uh, got to work. And I noticed that a lot of people uh, uh, in, in my generation, the generation younger than me, um, didn't know that they had an attorney general at the state level or a secretary of state at the state level. Wow. Uh, so they probably weren't going to vote or or pay attention to those elections. So I thought maybe if I could demystify these, I could uh, uh, be be helpful. Wow, that's amazing. And I don't know if you know this, but the letters that start those states, um, OMG and WTF, are actually um, well-known internet um, acronyms. Uh, that is news to me. Well, yeah, I probably helped you even without you knowing wow. it. Huh. All right, but now let's turn to the Constitution because Paula has some questions. All right. Well, let me just start by saying, you know, I know, Ben, that one of the things I heard you say on the Zoom presentation I heard was, you know, talking about how we don't teach civics in schools anymore. And I realized, yeah, you know, a lot of schools took that trip to D.C., right, to see the yeah, White House maybe from a distance or or maybe see the, you know, what appear to be the levers of power. But, you know, our school, they, in, in the junior high, I think they did like a drawing from a hat maybe to determine which kids they would take on such a trip. And I, I never got chosen. But uh, my point is, in my town, we had a town hall and a town council, and no one ever took us down there. And yet so much of what happens in our lives where we're affected by politics, um, like the people who uh, hire and fire the police, for example, that doesn't happen out of Washington, D.C. That happens locally. Am I right? You're completely correct. And what is scary about this is is a lot a lot of people do eighth grade trips to to DC and you go and yet you stare at buildings and then you call it a day. And what I um, what realized is that in the last eighteen or twenty years we've been cutting civics heavily in in schools uh, at the state level. So um, in the wake of two thousand two and No Child Left Behind, there were all these federal financial incentives for schools that perform well in reading and math and specific standardized tests. And so a lot of teachers and school boards and uh, administrators started teaching to those tests. And so other subjects like civics and government kind of fell by the wayside. And you had the same effect in 2010 with uh, a group of states signing on to Common Core. And then in the 2015, there was another federal law called Every Student Succeeds that did the same things. Do you ever feel like that in the country at large, there's almost been a plan to keep us uneducated or to keep the, the generations uh, uneducated so that we could be more easily controlled? So... I can't point to a specific aha moment or smoking gun, but I can point to something that I think is, is very... Wait, what? Betsy DeVos? 
Yes. Well, yes. There you go. She is. Yes. That is that is one smoking gun. But um, as far as finding like hard evidence of the cuts other than these these very tangible cuts in the last 18 years, which could be, you know, attributed to a, a, a byproduct or an accident. But in the 1950s and 1960s, according to the Annenberg Institute of Public Policy, which studies civics and, and government, we had a lot of civics classes in schools. We had a class called civics. We had a class called Foundations of Democracy. We had American government. We had U.S. history. And after the 50s and 60s, those classes started to get chipped away at and, and cut. And I think about what happened in the 1960s, which are the civil rights protests, which led to the Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act. And you had the Vietnam War protests that led to the 26th Amendment granting 18-year-olds uh, 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 protecting their right to vote. And I find it odd that we had this massive era of civic engagement and four constitutional amendments and all these you know huge watershed laws. And then we started to chip away at civic education and that kind of citizen uh, activism started to kind of, you know, uh, on a delay, maybe go away a little bit with it. Well, it's a coincidence then you're saying at, at the very least, but <laughs> exactly. probably a not. coincidence. Yeah. But I, I, I do think there is something there. And I do think that if you don't teach people how their government works, they're not going to know who to put pressure on. And in and of itself, that's kind of a tool of voter suppression. All right. So now you mentioned that word. Uh, which is amendment. You mentioned the 26th Amendment. So let's, uh, let's give you a chance, uh, if you will, uh, to, to solve this problem among uh, my nobody listens to Paula Poundstone listeners. Uh, so here's your civics instruction from Ben Sheehan. What is an amendment? An amendment is a change to the U.S. Constitution. And there are 27 amendments and 10 of them were all ratified at the same time. They're more commonly called the Bill of Rights. And we've had 11,000 uh, uh, discussed in Congress in, since the founding of our country, but only 33 have been proposed to the states for ratification. Of those, 27 have been ratified. Why do so few pass, Ben? So the process for amending the Constitution is, is pretty hard because you have two ways of proposing uh, amendments and, and two ways of ratifying amendments. So you need two-thirds of, of Congress, both two-thirds of the House and two-thirds of the Senate, to propose amendments to the states, or which is how every amendment we've had has been proposed. The other way to propose amendments is for two-thirds of states to call a constitutional convention, which has never happened uh, uh, since the Constitution took effect in 1789. So they've all been proposed by Congress to the states. And then what do you mean by Congress to the states? What do you mean? So Congress discusses an amendment in, uh, uh, you know, in the U.S. House or the U.S. Senate, and then they take a vote. And if two-thirds of the House votes to send it to the states, and then two-thirds of the Senate votes to send it to the states, then all the states get to, to decide whether or not they want to ratify the amendment. And if 38 of those states, so you need three-quarters of states to ratify an amendment, if 38 of those state legislatures ratify the amendment, again, three-quarters, so 38, uh, then the amendment is ratified. And how close did the ERA get in this regard? The Equal Rights Amendment got pretty darn close, didn't it? So if there wasn't an expiration date, we would have a few weeks ago um, added the ERA to the U.S. Constitution because Virginia made history by being the 38th state to ratify and theoretically would add this to the U.S. Constitution. So in between 1972 and 1977, 
there were about 35 states that ratified this amendment. Uh, but they couldn't get to 38 because of the public pressure. And there's a TV show right now about this in, on FX that, that actually goes into some really great detail. But yeah. what, what happened is they, they got close and then it got blocked. And then it didn't meet its uh, 1979 expiration date. And then Congress and Jimmy Carter signed it into law. They extended it for three years and then it didn't meet that. But starting in 2017, sort of in a symbolic way, but also to test the strength of the expiration date, um, Nevada became the 36th state to ratify. The next year in 2018, Illinois became the 37th. And then in 2020, earlier this year, Virginia became the 38th. And what's unique about this is that they know there was an expiration date, but the expiration date isn't actually in the body of the amendment. So it's sort of in like the introduction. So it's not in the actual text. Oh. And their argument is that the expiration date could theoretically be overturned by Congress uh, because it's not in the body of the amendment. So the attorneys general of those three states, Nevada, Illinois, and Virginia, sued. Um, the Department of Justice said that they don't have standing to sue. So it's right now it's kind of in this, this, this legislative limbo. But their argument holds water for the Constitution because the preamble to the Constitution is itself not a law. It's just an introduction to the Constitution. Right. So right. there is precedent for them to say, well, it's not you know binding because it's not in the actual body. So that was sort of their argument, but it's really going to be up to the, the courts to decide the matter. All right. I just want to go back and reinforce one thing that you said, which is because I, I didn't know this. All right. So we're talking about uh, making an amendment to the Constitution and how that gets done. And so the the House of Representatives um, votes on it. Right. And the Senate votes on it. Is that correct? And then it goes to the states. Yes. So the state legislature, so the state house and the state Senate need to pass it. When we're talking about these more local jurisdictions, I think a lot of people are not aware that when you go to fill out your ballot, yes, it's the president, yes, it's your senator, yes, it's your representative in D.C., but you need to inform yourself um, about who these representatives within your state are uh, because they're close in your human chain reach to the levers of power. Yes. And according to the Constitution, that person has a lot of power in, in your life. They are your voice at the state level. And so many things happen uh, at the state level. Paul, as you mentioned earlier, things around law enforcement, but ratifying an amendment is one of the things that your state legislators can do. I also want to point out that we have a state bird. How much power is in the hands of the state bird, Ben? Uh, I, according to the constitution, it's not mentioned, but the ninth amendment does defer. It says anything that isn't in the constitution reserved for the federal government or banned to the states falls to the states and the people. So there could be uh -huh. state or local laws that empower state birds, uh, uh, to varying degrees. But the important thing here would be for Paula to get active, right? For Paula to elect the right state senators and representatives in order to get California's state bird a little more power than it currently has. Uh, based on what I've seen with certain state legislatures around the country, I'm not convinced that having animals as our representatives would not be superior. <laughs> I'd rather have a state bird shit on my head than have the state senate shit on my head. Um now, I've read Miracle at Philadelphia, uh, and I've listened to Hamilton a hundred times, and I still don't seem to come away with a full picture. I think the problem is that the Constitution somehow doesn't cover everything. Take the judicial 
uh, system, for example. What does the Constitution tell us about the judicial system? What part of the way our judicial branch is run is in the Constitution? Am I missing something? Well, you're not missing anything because there's not a ton about the judicial branch in the Constitution. But right now, we are to some degree being held hostage by Mitch McConnell packing the courts and by Bill Barr at the head of the judicial system uh, who's corrupt. So what you're referencing are the court uh, uh, confirmations, the judge confirmations. So we have three main levels of courts that we as citizens uh, and residents should know about. And that is the Supreme Court, the, the circuit court, which is sometimes called the appellate courts, and then the district courts. And in total, between those three levels, we all know that there are nine Supreme Court justices, or most of us will know that, um, by the way, which isn't in the Constitution. Congress could pass a law tomorrow to make it 15 or 13 or 27 or whatever they want. But there are around 876 or so um, federal judges and about 180 at the circuit level, nine in Supreme Court, and then the rest at the district level. And what has happened in the last almost four years since Trump has taken office is that they have sped up the rate at which circuit judges are confirmed and they've made it easier to confirm them. And they've done that to the point that almost a third, if not more at this point, of the judges at the circuit court level have been appointed by Donald Trump and confirmed by Mitch McConnell's Senate. So these people hold... They hold office for good behavior, which means for life and un, un, until they die or unless they get impeached and removed. And a lot of these judicial appointments and confirmations are are very young and very conservative. And they're going to affect uh, our lives for a long time because such a small percentage of cases make it to the Supreme Court. Less than, you know, half a percentage point, if, if not less than that. Uh, you know, we're talking, there were 70 decisions maybe in the last Supreme Court term, and I think 7,000, uh, if not more, 8,000 cases got, got heard by it or considered by it. So most of the decisions in our lives will be decided by district and, and circuit court judges, uh, which is why we should be paying way more attention to these roles than we should. But even if I'm paying attention, I'm not sure what I can do about it because the Republicans in the Senate, that's where the Senate Judiciary Committee is, right? And they're the ones who have the hearings about the judges. Is that correct? Right. Well, that's why the importance of Senate races is is so high. And and this year there are 30, 35 uh, elections for, for members of the United States Senate uh, that are going to be decided. So if you are angry about all the judicial confirmations, uh, besides working to elect a different president who would appoint different judges, uh, you can fight to change the makeup of the Senate so that these nominations don't keep getting confirmed. OK, I, I know that people that know a lot about politics don't don't like to be put in a position of making predictions. But Ben, what do you think the odds are that Mitch McConnell, um, who's clearly made of tallow, just melts one day, maybe as a result of global warming? I would have to con- consult a physicist, as I'm not entirely sure as to the probability of such a, um, a reality. But I, I definitely don't have any information at hand to rule that out from happening. I wouldn't count on it, though. I think, Paula, you don't want to depress the vote by people counting on the idea that Mitch McConnell's going to melt. Yeah, you're right. Okay, so you guys definitely vote. 
You know, Benjamin Franklin said, the U.S. Constitution doesn't guarantee happiness, only the pursuit of it. You have to catch up with it yourself. Stay tuned to hear more about what our Constitution guarantees and what we have to do for ourselves. The Cat of the Week is Jet Steel Beams Fuel from Berkeley, California. Hey, Paula, it's been almost a year now since I got my Helix mattress. And as you remember, there was some drama surrounding Helix mattresses. Because oh, when oh Helix gosh. first sponsored us, Bonnie took the mattress and yeah. she's been loving it. But finally, I got my chance to get a Helix mattress and I sleep so well. I mean, the family bed is where we all gather. We watch movies in, in our room occasionally and everybody just piles on it and it it's comfy. And yet when one person hops on, the other half of the mattress doesn't fly up. I'm a fan. Well, you know, Adam, everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. Models with memory foam layers to provide optimal pressure relief if you sleep on your side. Models with a more responsive foam to cradle your body for essential support in stomach and back sleeping positions plus enhanced cooling features to keep you from overheating at night. And if your spine needs some extra TLC, they got you. Every Helix mattress has a hybrid design combining individually wrapped steel coils in the base with premium foam layers on top. It is the perfect combination of comfort and support. I agree with that last bit. I don't get all the technical stuff about the mattress, but it is soft and supportive. Helix offers 20 unique mattresses, the award-winning Lux, which I got, and ultra-premium Elite Collections, the Helix Plus, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and the Helix Kids mattress designed for growing bodies and endorsed by child sleep experts, and my daughter now wants one. So, how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You go to their website, take the Helix Sleep Quiz, and you find your perfect mattress match in under two minutes. You know, when you said you can't follow all the technical stuff, it's really not that technical. You know, uh, no matter what way you sleep, they have a mattress that will support and comfort you. How hard is that? Uh, you know, when you say it that way, it seems a lot simpler. I take it back. That's my boner. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door, free of charge. And Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Well, I like that there's a warranty, but they can pry that mattress with my cold, dead hands. I took the sleep quiz. I was matched with the Helix Midnight Lux. I got the Lux. And I love it. It is such an upgrade from my old mattress. You know, I think Bonnie got the Midnight Lux. She did. Too. Yeah. You're not here. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to take Adam's word for it? Well, you got Bonnie's word. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Your Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. 
That's a lot, and it's already not that expensive a mattress. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet. It's fantastic. It won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Well, not right now. And if you're going to get it anyway, use our code. And we're back with Ben Sheehan of OMGWTF. Ben, welcome back. Thank you so much. (laughs) Paula, you had something to ask? All right. Now, here's the feeling I get when I listen to your book and I hear you talk and I look at the goddamn mess we're in. I just, I feel like everyone talks about the genius of our forefathers and I guess some, yeah, but it seems to me there were some things that they didn't think all the way through. Uh, some things have happened that it never occurred to them, I assume, unless they just thought it was sort of a, a funny joke on their great, 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 great <laughs> grandchildren. But mm. uh, like, here's just one example. I don't think it was that. They make such a big fuss about which was it, the Third Amendment in the Bill of Rights that you can't put the soldiers up at the people's houses? Quartering, yeah, right. They say you can't do that, but but they but they have no criteria who for, for who should be on the Supreme Court, um, you know, to the degree that Rush Limbaugh could be appointed to the Supreme Court. Anyone who's listening to this conversation right now could theoretically be appointed to the Supreme Court. Yeah, but more and, likely would be Rush Limbaugh. Right, and the Third Amendment is is really a direct sort of response to what was happening uh, during the Revolutionary War is that, you know, we declared independence in 1776 and then uh, uh, we had the Revolutionary War and and what was happening in the lead up to the declaration and even at moments during the war is that there were British soldiers coming over and forcing themselves into people's homes and staying there uh, without their consent. And so this was a direct response to what had been happening the last several decades uh, in, in the colonies and, and then states. So it's, it's definitely not relevant today, although maybe some of the images we're seeing in our news could potentially beg to differ. But yeah. I, it, is very, uh, uh, it is very of a time and a place and a direct response to something that was happening uh, in, in the years leading up to when the Constitution was, was written. So a colonial family would just be at home, you know, churning the butter or, or, or writing on their slate. They didn't just churn butter. I feel like that's a canard. I think they did more. No, they churned a lot of butter. It takes a long time. It's not as quick as you might think. So they were okay. at home <laughs> churning the butter and writing on their slates, maybe possibly playing with like one doll. And uh, and then just British okay. soldiers would show up and go like, what's for dinner, honey? Yeah, well, you know, no, the double tree was closed, so they were sort of shit out of luck and had to figure out a way to stay overnight somewhere, and so they right. just forced themselves into people's homes. By the time people hear this, now that we have federal troops <laughs> marching through our streets, it's entirely possible that 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 U.S. soldiers are going to be knocking on the door asking for dinner, and and if you have a guest house, I have twelve cats and two big dogs. No one wants to stay in this house. <laughs> True enough. Yeah, in that one area. I am safe. <laughs> All right. So here's one of the things, Ben. In school every year, some teacher would draw the three equal branches of government on the board and we'd all smile. Do you remember how comforting those three circles were 
when they'd write judiciary, legislative, executive, and then they'd circle them, and you just and and you could see the balance, and you just felt like. And this was when they wrote on blackboards, so it was better anyway. And it, it was going to be so good. Do you remember that, Ben? Do you remember do. that comforting feeling? Don't deny it, Ben. No, I, I remember it. Here's a question I have: What the fuck happened? Uh, well. You bring up a good point because the circles and the branches were, were drawn side by side and probably this, roughly the same size circle. Yes. And I'm sure the teacher used the word co-equal branches of government yes. or equal branches of government. And uh, that checks that and is, balances. That's a lie. That is a lie because we've for way too long equated checks and balances with equal balances of power. Having a check and about having a check on something doesn't mean that you have the same amount of, of powers them. It just means that you can stop them from doing a certain particular thing or they need to get your permission to do it. So yes, checks and balances exist among the three branches of government, but they are not equal in power. And if you read the Constitution, it clearly shows you barely into the first article that that Congress far and away has the most power of any of the branches of government, and that was the intent to give it the most power because this government was created in response to a monarchy. So Now, is that still the case, though? Does Congress still have the most power? Well, yes and no. They, they have the most power, but they are preventing themselves from using it because of, of ver very systemic things like um, uh, gerrymandering and making sure that they can ensure their own victory by choosing their voters every 10 years and preventing a real uh, competitive election and, and basically giving themselves job security. The fact that you know half of every member of Congress's day is spent walking across, across the street and just making phone calls to ask for money. If we had publicly right. funded elections, we ended partisan gerrymandering um, and we even implemented term limits, you would immediately see a much, much, much different picture in our in our Congress. Do you think there's any chance that Ivanka will end up on a bill like on a like a five dollar bill? Uh, I mean, depending on the makeup of Congress, it's it's not out of the it's question. Absolutely I'm, possible. I'm sorry to tell you. <laughs> this has been so informative. Um, one question I have, though, is I keep hearing the 25th Amendment. Is that the one where like, what do you do when the guy is just unfit to serve and we don't have time to wait for the next election? And it's not I don't even know that it's like impeachment because we already did that. But it's like he's a nutter. So the 25th Amendment has four sections. And I, I think the section you're referencing is the fourth section, uh, which is the how nutter the, section, the nutter section. Exactly. So the original intent of it was to deal with a president who had been incapacitated. This amendment was ratified after the JFK assassination. So the, the thinking was, well, what if the president wasn't killed, but just rendered uh, incapacitated mentally by an injury or, or, or something else? Um, what to do? And they came up with this a truly asinine, insane system of a um, series of events to remove a, a president who was unable to, to execute the, the duties of the office. So, okay. It starts with I am I want to be clear. I'm not making this up. It's going to sound crazy, but this is actually in the in the Constitution. So, okay. it starts with the vice president and a majority of the cabinet or uh -huh of some other body that Congress could create or, or delegate. So it doesn't have to be the, the cabinet. The Nutter Commission. The Nutter Commission, exactly. Could it just so, be like a football team? Could they just pick a football team and say, you guys, 
I'm not aware of anything in the Constitution that says that they couldn't. It could. It says so, it says any any other body established by Congress. So they could. So take they picked the, the Seattle Seahawks Atlanta to decide Falcons. if President right, Trump sure. is a nutter. Yeah. Okay. Depending on yeah. There you go. So they could do that, and then that the majority of that body and the vice president would have to send a letter to the uh, the Speaker of the House and the Senate President pro tempore, who is the temporary president when the vice president can't execute the office of Senate President. It's also like a batter. Uh, tempore is like a, a raw te- vegetable cooked in a batter. It is. That's tempura. tempura. Oh, yeah. oh, my mistake. Tempura. That's okay. Okay, so um, uh, Mike Pence writes to the President Tempore of the Senate, Dear President Tempore, according to um, uh, Wilson and, and all the rest of the Seattle Seahawks, uh, President Trump <laughs> is a nutter. Basically, they said that he can't execute the duties of uh, the office. So if we're talking about right now, they would send this to Chuck Grassley, who's the president pro tempore, and Nancy Pelosi, who's the Speaker of the House. So they'd send this letter, and when they receive that letter, uh, uh, the vice president immediately becomes the acting president. Now, the president has the opportunity to respond to that letter and say that— Well, we just sent Chuck Grassley and Nancy Pelosi a letter that says that the Seattle Seahawks say that you are not (laughs) capable of— functioning as the president. Is that right? Clean out your desk. That's Temporarily correct. clean out your desk. That's correct. Because now so, Mike Pence is president. Now Mike Pence is president, and I guess Russell Wilson is secretary of state. So we, If Pence decides, now you're just making it, stuff right, up. You're right. You're right. You're right. Don't that's, make that's, this that, ridiculous. That, that's, on me. that's on me. So <laughs> we have a situation where the president can then respond and say, no, I'm, I'm actually fine. They're full of shit. And send that letter to, to Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Grassley. And so then he would go back to being the president Unless uh, the, the, that same body and the vice president send another letter uh, and saying, no, really, the, he really can't do the job. Uh, How many that, letters is Russell Wilson supposed to write while he's training for the season? You're talking about the first letter, letting him know the problem, the president's response letter, and then a third letter. So we're talking okay. about three three letters. At that point, uh, right. basically what happens is Congress has to assemble uh, uh, within 48 hours if it's not already meeting, and they have 21 days from uh, the receipt of that letter or from their assembly to decide what the hell to do, whether or not the president uh, should remain. And in unless they can vote with two thirds of the House and the Senate to say that the president has to be removed, uh, if they can't do that, then the president continues being the president. So, And I should add that there's a four day deadline uh, between one of those letters and the other upon which a response is needed. But if somebody's just a nutter and they can still write on a piece of paper, you know, no, I'm fine then that makes them qualified. Well, this has never been tested. So the if if this were to happen, uh, and the argument, you know, and, and again, kind of depends on the content of, of, the, uh, of the letter and making the case, because it would be up to... What con- if the letter Congress. was written with his own feces? Well, I think that makes a really strong argument and would probably bolster the case. Makes a strong okay. smell, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Absolutely. Just, just projecting ahead for what the second letter is going to be like. Go um, ahead. But this would depend on on Mike Pence and some and the majority of some other body, you know, writing two letters and then the House and the Senate, two thirds of each voting to say that the president is indeed unable to execute the duties of the office and then the president would be removed. Well, this kind of blows Adam's argument out of the water, because if it was written in the president's feces. Right. Mike Pence, from his perspective, which is where his head is so far up Trump's ass, 
Right. When he wouldn't even notice. He would not even notice. Somebody else right. maybe in the room would say, like, what is that smell? And Pence would go, what do you mean? Um, all right. So, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's an interesting legal point, Paula. I see it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> ben. All right. Now that we're all face up in the bathtub with a razor blade, as <laughs> as uh, so many people in Bonnie Burns's life has said. Um, <laughs> all right. So now we're to the part where I mean, we're, I think we're all in agreement that we're in hot water here. I, and so now what we need to know is how do we empower ourselves? What do we do? So I would suggest two things. One is that a lot of us don't know who our representatives are. So sure, we hear about Supreme Court justice names and we know who our president is and our, and our vice president. I, I, I'm assuming most of us do. But I would probably bet that a lot of people in this country cannot name who, according to the Constitution, might be the five most important federal representatives people in their life. And that would be their two United States senators— their one United States representative and their two state legislators, their state representative and their state senator, unless you live in Nebraska and you just have a state senator. So if everyone listening to this could take a few minutes and just look up who those people are, if you can look up by your state easily for your senators, since they represent the entire state, uh, the U.S. senators, you can look up your address on you know, the House's website and find your member of Congress. And then you can usually go to your uh, secretary, state secretary of state's website or, or, or state legislature's website and look up your, your, your state rep and, and your state senator. But just knowing who those four to five people are, their names, whether or not you agree with their positions, uh, I would also recommend you follow them on social media. Um, a lot of people at the state representative level and the state senator level don't have particularly large Twitter followings. So, so if they'll listen tweet, to you. So they might listen to it. But again, corresponding with your representatives on Twitter is public one-to-one -one communication. So unlike a, a ringing phone that could be ignored or unplugged, unlike an email that could be deleted or filtered, if you're constantly adding and tweeting at your representative, maybe it's a video of you passionately arguing something that you want them to do or letting you, them know how you feel about an upcoming vote, um, they're going to see that. And so is everyone who, who has Twitter. So you're putting your representatives on public blast. And according to organizations like Countable, um, they say that this is actually the strongest way to apply public pressure to your representatives is, is, is on Twitter and publicly adding them or mentioning them. So my suggestion would be know who these four to five people are in your life, follow them on social media, look up their positions, make sure that they align with yours. And then if they're up for election in November, five months from now, uh, decide whether or not you want to give them another term in office and rehire them. And you can get in touch with them and, and visit them, can't you? You can. You can call them. You can request an office visit and, and you know, you can, you can absolutely interface with them or show up at a town hall. All right. You can show up at a town hall, Paula. <laughs> well, thank you, Ben, for a terrific constitutional. And now we're going to take that information and run it through the old pounce Paula? House band Raymond Horton, if I could have a little more of that cool bass trombone behind the information I've ripped hot off the pounce I'd really appreciate it. Ben Sheehan did a fantastic job helping me understand the Constitution. The truth is, a lot of it is a little bit vague. Except for this, soldiers may not under any circumstances stay in my house. 
they can serve on the Supreme Court or be in the body that writes a letter to say the president is toe walking around with a candy dish on his head clucking like a chicken and can't serve, but I'm not cleaning up after them. They're not eating any of my Hawaiian chips. They're not getting any of my toilet paper and I'm not shoving over so they can sleep on my floor. As citizens, voting is our most powerful agent of change and local government has the most effects on our lives. I just took a moment to look up the following so you can see how little time it takes. My representative in the state assembly is Richard Bloom. My state senator is Benjamin Allen. My representative in the House of Representatives in Washington is Ted Lieu. My city council members are Gleam Davis, Terry O'Day, Anna Maria Jara, Kevin McCoon, Susan Heimelrich, Greg Morena, and Ted Winterer. They are going to be so sick of me. Hey, Mr. Assemblyman, Rich. Yeah, it's me, Paula Poundstone again. How are you coming with getting people busted for pot out of California jails? I'll check back in soon. No, I'm happy to. Senator Ben, hi, it's me, Paula Poundstone again. Just checking in on that state law banning neck holds of any kind and demilitarizing the police force. Sure, you can put me on hold. Oh, wait. <laughs> Councilwoman Gleam, hey, how you doing? It's me. I was just wondering how we're handling housing discrimination in our city and if you could find me a parking space. Councilwoman Anna, yep, it's me, Paul Poundstone again. No, I guess I don't have anything better to do. How's the single-use plastics battle coming? You've seen that picture of the sea turtle with the straw up its nose? No, ma'am. I don't think it had a cocaine problem. I'd love to hear what action we're taking. <laughs> All right. His book, OMG, WTF, Does the Constitution Actually Say, is a fantastic annotated guide to our founding document. Everybody should pick it up. Um, thank you for being on our show. Ben Sheehan, that was fantastic. Thank, thank you, Thank you so much for having me. Coming up. Your titles for the Bonnie Burns spinoff show. That's coming up after this. Fun fact, the first computer was invented in 1946 and weighed 60,000 pounds. But it wasn't until the first network was invented in 1969 that another computer called it fat. We're back, and thank you, house band Raymond Horton. That sounds fantastic. Yes, thank you, Raymond. Okay, Adam, now. Adam, yes. Adam, answer the what? phone. Why? Just answer the phone. All right, hello? Hello, Adam. Uh, it's me, Nan Mumford. Nan Mumford, that's a, a relatively new caller to our show. You're from Maine, are you not, Nan? That's correct. I am from Maine. My neighbors so enjoyed hearing me tell about being on your program last week. Okay. I thought I'd give you a call again and see if you're still having people call in to say why they don't listen. Um, that's not at all what I was asking for, Nan. I was asking, I mean, we're, uh, in fact, I'm not asking for callers at all, but I take it you want to tell You're me not. why you don't listen? Well, most folks down Maine just don't have the time. The blueberry mm -hmm. bushes are almost started to flower. 
then of course the blueberry will grow. But 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 Nan, if if it's not flowering and there's no blueberries, how is that occupying the time of people in Maine? Well, they'll be green first. Yeah, I get then that. Slowly turn blue. That takes time, Adam. And the other thing is, Adam, <laughs> we you know we still have yes. mud. You know, we still. Have, I just discovered I had a second car. What? I had parked it right in front of the house, and I forgot all about it. Then we had, uh, uh, we had gotten a winch to pull my youngest out of the mud, and she said she saw a car when she was down there. That's when I remembered. You had another car down there under the mud. So we got the car, but we lost the winch. Uh, down Maine, one of the things that we do, Adam, is we mm-hmm. put out our, uh, we put out our uh, chairs on our front lawns during the spring. Yes. That takes time. <laughs> okay. Listen, uh, as much as I would like to keep talking to you, Adam. <laughs> yes, you're, you're busy. I've got, oh, we've got some cats out on the back porch. That right. I feed, and uh, I should probably go do that now on the back porch. I feed them a little chopped beef. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, Nan, go feed the cats the chopped beef, and thanks for being our 76th caller, Nan. It was good talking to you, Adam. Good, good oh, talking well. to you as well. It was relaxing, to say the least. <laughs> All right, that was not wow. Nan. She really has a she yeah. has a busy, busy life. I don't blame her for not listening no, at all. No, I couldn't hold busy, her busy or life. anyone else in the great state of Maine. I couldn't hold them accountable. Now, if you're a nobody who happens to live in Maine, feel free to uh, write us and let us know your experience of our podcast at nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com. Now, Paula. Yes. I want you to put your brain uh, in gear and imagine, if you will, with me. A Bonnie Burns spin-off podcast. I'm having I am having a brain erection right now. A brain erection. <laughs> uh, for for those uh-huh. of you listening to our podcast for the first time, and Bonnie, stop that. God damn it. For those of you listening to our podcast for the first time, and I don't know why you would be, um, Brain rection is a term that we coined uh, a couple of weeks ago with the, with the uh, ch- editor in chief of Merriam Webster, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, it was your creation, brain rection. That's yeah, it's when, an excited, like, that's it's an excited when, brain state. Yeah, when you mostly have sort of scattered or or bad memory, like not not a real functioning brain for most of the day, but right. all of a sudden in one event. Everything just surges to the, and you get a brain erection. You get a brain erection. God damn it! I if you're a nobody out there, please start using that because nothing would make Paula and me happier than getting brain erection into Webster's. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. think uh, that would be the, that would pretty much be the nail in the coffin of the printed word. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so now, Paula, so let's talk about the the. Here's what happened. Uh, producer Tony Nita Hall, and we love her, asked our listeners what they would title a Captain Crinkle Bonnie Burns spinoff podcast. Do you have any uh, ideas about that before we plunge in? Do I? Yeah. 
do I have, well, I'll tell you what, uh, I, I love uh, Captain Crinkle, and, and I would uh, love to see her have her own show where she can express her ideas. Uh, because oh, look so at that. It's our, favorite ha- it's our favorite hand puppet, Mrs. Culpepper. Welcome to the show, Mrs. Culpepper. So you're in favor of Captain Crinkle having a podcast. Oh, I am, Adam. So often you uh, you uh, uh, cut uh, uh, Bonnie Burns off when she's getting to some of her higher thinking. Uh, and uh, <laughs> that, is, that is true, Mrs. Culpepper. Maybe she does need her own venue. Yeah, I think it would be fine for for, for her to have such a such a venue, such a platform, if you will. Well, then I think that's a great idea, and I think Mrs. Culpepper, you should probably be a guest on that, as should your husband, the captain. The captain is not available at this time. Oh, Captain Culpepper has probably got his own podcast, I'm sure. No, he does not. He is not uh, with us any longer. Oh. Oh, I'm sorry, Mrs. Culpepper. I seem to have stepped it's on a It's a painful sword. memory. It's a, it's a painful memory. Uh, the captain passed away uh, many years ago. Uh, uh, well, uh, you know, uh, as a military man, I'm sure he died in the most brave of possible fashions. He did not die uh, 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 in battle. Um, uh, he, uh, Captain Culpepper, uh, is deceased as a result of tyrotoxism. Tyrotoxism? That's not the poisoning yes. by cheese or dairy products. That is correct. It was a poison oh. by cheese. It was a cheese. Uh, and now I'm, I'm feeling a vague twinge of memory. And, and Mrs. Culpepper, if I've asked you about this before, please forgive me. Well, you have, uh, and I can tell you clearly. <laughs> I can I can tell you clearly, and I hope it stays in your memory. It was the Gouda that got him. Oh, oh. <laughs> anyway, let's turn from uh, Captain Culpepper to Captain Crinkle, if we may. Captain Crinkle. Um, um, Tony Nita Hall, so you've gone ahead and you've asked people what yeah. Bonnie's spinoff um, <laughs> podcast should be. And I would love to hear some of these replies. I've read some of them on our Facebook group, which, by the way, everybody should go to the Nobody Listens to Paula Pounce on Facebook group. What ha- what have um, been the suggestions? Um, so John Morgan uh, suggested, I don't think it would have a name because it would spin off into a million barely relevant details trying to explain the name before it could even spit it out. <laughs> I'm gonna I, I'm gonna agree with you, John, but at the same time that's not really a name. You know what? If it ever does have a name, I would like that name to be my ringtone. <laughs> so <laughs> No, because so, I have a lot of thoughts. You so, Bonnie, well, you have thoughts. Oh, you, Oh, she does. Wow, this um, was yes. actually a listener participation <laughs> idea. But, Bonnie, uh, what are your thoughts about your upcoming spinoff? Uh, face up in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> now it feels like you're just actually stealing from yourself from early, earlier in the podcast. Oh, what are my thoughts about a spinoff? Yeah. Well, yeah, what else would the question be? Pull it off. What? No, I, I don't think I could really pull it off because I think... You know, part of what makes Captain Crinkle work is that you guys make it be funny. Well, you know, I think we're taking a flyer, assuming that it works. Yeah. No, I I think that you, Bonnie, should have a ringtone that just says, God damn it, Bonnie. (laughs) (laughs) I think you have to give some examples 
to make this work? What if somebody's just listening right, to the show you're, for if the you're, first time? Well, if somebody's listening to the show for the first time, they only need to listen to the beginning of this show to hear what he's talking about, Bonnie. <laughs> <laughs> but, but however, to be fair, we will find and post the the episode number of Bonnie explaining how she got the, our um, Paula Poundstone's hit single, Not My Butterfinger, on iTunes. Because that, I think, okay. to me, I think that's the iconic Bonnie Burns explanation episode. Okay. Well, you know, the other thing, if there happens to be a first-time listener, we call Captain Crinkle Captain Crinkle because back in the good old days, we used to be in a studio. Right, and, all together. Um, and as Adam and I were talking into the microphones, off in a chair on the side, we would hear like like a buzz saw. <laughs> we would hear like a noise, you know, and you'd turn around and Bonnie was doing something. Like at one point she was constructing a dollhouse, I think it yeah, was. Yeah, something completely unrelated to what we were doing. And when you would point out to her that it was kind of noisy while we were recording, uh, she couldn't have been more surprised. <laughs> you know? <laughs> At one point, she was loading in a grand piano through a side door. Right. It's funny. That's a little noisy. Oh, is it? Yeah. I have so, a lot of things to do. Yeah. So You wear a became, lot of hats, Bonnie. It was really that she would have like a paper. Uh, she'd be right. writing on a paper, but she or wouldn't use a surface. Or unwrapping a candy. That was a big one. Was yeah, yeah. O- opening a bag but of Doritos. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't want That's Adam it. to be lonesome. Yeah. Make that <laughs> sound again, lonesome. Bonnie. Make that. Make that sound. Okay. Make the sound. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That, ladies and gentlemen, is Bonnie Burns's doorbell. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tony, what else do you have? Uh, well, related to the crinkling, Leanne Wells wrote, name that rapper. <laughs> oh, I like that one. Mm-hmm. That gives it a... All yeah, right, what that else? also this is gives great. it like a hip-hop feel. I like that. Um, <laughs> I do, I do too. Name that rapper. That's good, Paula. What did Ingrid Orsted say? Uh, how to make a short story long with Captain Crinkle. There you go. <laughs> oh, I yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, Ken uh, Rodriguez wrote The Attack of the Bubble Wrap Monster. That's great. <laughs> but although that's great, I want to point out that should we give Bonnie Burns her own podcast, it will have to be more than extraneous noises. Right. Don't, yeah, but this is just the title. There's right, more to it. There's more. It's the shit you can't hear. Like, right. she'll be saying important things, you just won't know it. Um, uh, Bonnie, by the way, Bonnie, Bonnie's life dream as a child had been to be a cat burglar, and then she discovered that she had this disability. Of being unable to keep quiet for even a moment, right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It's, really, it's really cut in. It's really kept her honest. Um, <laughs> what else, Tony? Give, give us more. I want more. Um, Stephen Bennett wrote uh, this. I don't. I like this one. Captain Crinkle cuts the cheese. Oh. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't I don't like that one. That's a little bit of a conflation of Captain Crinkle and Captain Culpepper, I think. I don't but know it's delightful. It a delightful name. <laughs> Absolutely delightful. I, I love that our listeners have taken it seriously. If you go to the thread that Tony posted about this, there are fully like what, Tony, like 40 names of shows. For no, 80. 80. Oh, were there 80? 
Wow, at least yeah. steady. Yeah, we have yeah. really funny listeners uh, on the really Facebook page. Yeah, um, and a lot of them very anxious to to hear the spinoff podcast. Uh, yeah, ask Paula if I don't sometimes succinctly say things to her. Paula How many does. Times in a Paula day do does. We talk? Paula, does Bonnie ever succinctly say something to you? <laughs> yes, Adam. She does. She sometimes says something. So succinctly as to be cryptic and uh, and not possible to decode. Yes. I agree she'll with you. Call, she'll call and say, well, it's over. I just talked to her. And I'll say, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm sorry. What are we talking about? She'll go, well, aren't you looking at it? <laughs> so I, you're saying not. she's only succinct when it makes absolutely no sense. She. That is cool. Okay. No, here's the thing, buddy. And I feel this very strongly. And you know uh, how you much. You say the pronoun thing. I'm going to say you should be. No longer allowed to use pronouns. No. You should be yeah. pronouns. Yes. Pronouns should be simply taken away from you because you know what? <laughs> you had a chance to use them responsibly and you didn't. <laughs> and so you should have like just no more pronouns uh, until you've somehow shown. That you and can I be responsible with them. That you yeah. can be responsible with your pronouns. You know, you uh, you left a he on the floor this morning, and I stepped on it. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, give me another. Give me one more. Um, Maggie uh, Chervenak Holder, sorry, Maggie Chervenak Holder wrote a crinkle in time. Oh my Ooh, God! That's, that's a very good. literary one. Yeah. I want that to be time. the name of Bonnie's podcast. Yeah, that's a good one. I especially like A Crinkle in Time. Yeah, I love A Crinkle in Time. And Bonnie, you should make that yeah. the name of your podcast. And I'm definitely not going to listen to it. No, I'm not making that. <laughs> what podcast. do you mean? Of course I think what? it should be. I think it should be A Crinkle in Time starring her. <laughs> <laughs> that's oh, awesome. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the Bonnie Burns spinoff podcast. Bonnie, good luck with that one. I will happily help out. Oh, thanks, Adam. I volunteer to be there. I volunteer to be there and be annoyed every step of the way. I can guarantee that no matter what I say to you, you're going to go, what? I didn't understand a word that you said. I mean, I know no matter what I say, you're going to say that. Who's you? I understood that. And I want to say, in case nobody has suggested it yet, and I think probably a couple of listeners did, I, to me, the title of the Captain Crinkle podcast needs to be God Damn It, Bonnie. They, they yeah. did suggest I like that. God Damn It, Bonnie. <laughs> yeah. No. Oh. <laughs> oh, well, we love you, Bonnie Burns, and I personally can't wait to be annoyed by you in person back in the studio again like we did before all this happened. Yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. All right, one thing that's already spinning off, I want to let our listeners know, is the Paula Poundstone product line. Oh my gosh, it's it's 
It's sweeping the nation. That's right. It's blowing My up. Store. Paul. It's blowing up. <laughs> Only Kim Kardashian rivals me. My store is at PaulaPoundstone.com. You can get the Poundstone Pussy Pillows, which are a rectangle-shaped uh, pillow, uh, handmade, uh, filled with catnip. And on one side, there's a cat joke. And on the other side, I will autograph it to your cat. And you can, online, when you order it, you can, you know, put the cat's name. And that way, they'll know who I'm making it to. And, you know, now might be a very good time to grab a copy of my book, The Totally Unscientific Study of the Search for Human Happiness, because we need to find happiness now. And the rest of my books and CDs are also at the store. And new on my website, Rx laughter videos, prescription laughter videos, uh, a chance to, you know, disappear mentally for at least a few minutes. We want to hear from all you nobodies out there. And if you want to enter our theme song contest, send a succinct show description or just drop us a line. Send it to nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com. Once again, that's nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com. You can find me and Adam on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We're all over the place. And check out our Facebook page at Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. All right. I'm sad to say that's our show. Stay safe, everybody. Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone is hosted by Paula Poundstone and yours truly, Adam the Felber. Special thanks to Ben Sheehan. And thanks to our house band, Raymond Horton. Our show is produced by Paula Poundstone, Adam Felber, Bonnie Burns, Ken Lezebnik, and Tony Anita Hull. Mixing by Michael Hoagie. Starburns production by Land Romo. Technical direction by Jessica Gutierrez. Transcription services for the show provided by Transcribe Me, a premier internet nationally used transcription service. Use code Paula Poundstone when placing your order at transcribeme.com to receive an expedited service. Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't asleep. I was making notes. That's our show for tonight. Won't somebody please listen to me? Oh, wait. There's a knock at my door. Hold on. Do you think it's soldiers? Yeah, probably. They need to be quartered, which means you have to cut them neatly in four pieces. You know, uh, I'm sorry there's no room. Sorry. Wait, I've got soldiers now. Hello? Third Amendment. Third Amendment. Oh, um, yeah, I mean, I guess for, like, a drink, maybe. (laughs) Don't you think you guys need to be somewhere? You can't stay here, but I would like to give you this dog waste bag. Um, uh, (laughs) It's got a great poem on it. Yeah, find a pile, pick it up. All the day, you'll have good luck. It's not been used, it's clean, so go ahead. (laughs) Just take it with you on your way, because you won't be staying here. Bill of Rights, Bill of Rights, Bill of Rights, Bill of Rights. <laughs> um, is that a bayonet? Ooh. Yeah. Want to be careful with that, don't you? Ooh, yeah. That's not... <laughs> Pointy. Scarpins Avenue, a podcast. <clears throat> a podcast network.